All right, what is this article you've been wanting me to read, Matt? According to new study, gas planets may start off as flattened disks before becoming spherical. Okay, this doesn't prove anything about your theories about how planet. I don't even get how this whole disk planet thing is supposed to work. Like, uh, we'll see the disk. Then, then uh, so then, which we don't realize is that a tortoise comes by and attaches to that disk, which then flies through the galaxies. You know. Okay. Well, that's yeah. uh, that's actually more believable than the weird equations you've been sending me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just saw this article the other day that kind of cracked me up because it's really not that interesting in the grand scheme of planet stuff, but uh-huh. it's only making headlines because it's talking about planets being flat, flat. during the formation right. period. Right, right, right. Which is kind of funny. Well, I mean, you look at Saturn, right? It has Saturn's rings and those are, those are it's a disk, right? Sure. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I guess I guess Jupiter-like planets <laughs> can start off as But ironically, frisbees. they're all round. <laughs> <laughs> like the actual planet itself is still round, though. Even though the disc is yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Oh man. I s- stay with us, flat earthers. Okay. You keep life interesting. You know, just when you're thinking, who could possibly think they're out, they're out there with their doing their little experiments? I like the experiment <laughs> videos. You ever watch those? Yeah, there was one where they literally just like proved that the earth was flat or the proof. Sorry, they proved that it was round and yeah. then they had to be like, wait, that's weird. That shouldn't work. And then yeah. they they was, yeah, the backtracking. Those are the yep. greatest ones when they actually have fairly solid science behind it where they're like, here's the equation. Here's the premise. And yep. this will finally prove it. And then they're like, uh, we must have done wait, something wait a wrong. Se- wait a second. Wait. Yeah, there was one where they're like lifting up lights or something like that. And yeah. it would shine through a hole, and they're like, "Okay, if we don't see it, that means it's round." And they're like, "They didn't see it." Yeah. And then they lifted it up, and then <laughs> they, they saw have, it. Cause... You must have done something to the plate. You must have messed up the plates. Uh-huh. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I don't want them to convert them. To be honest, I think they're fine in their sort of. You think it adds to society? You know, I mean, like, do we want them back in the fold? of normal people right just stay in your weird fringe groups and uh Mm -hmm. yeah i want to make a space video game that's flat planets you know and just cater to that niche there you go yeah Yeah. god can you imagine if the world was actually flat like how cool that would be ignore all the physics and everything like how would that be any cooler than what it is right because there would be like a giant disc around the side of the planet that's just like a giant like ice disc thing uh, mountain range to keep everything in oh okay so cool to keep the oceans from falling over yeah, the edge yeah 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 because yeah. <laughs> that's how is there anything on the other side of the disc i don't know uh yeah that's it like what's on the other side <laughs> yeah can you like drill down to the other side i know yeah what how come nobody's climbed over the mountain range and like it just seems like the easiest prove most easily provable thing ever you know God, that'd be so terrifying to be at the top of the mountain look down can you imagine the vertigo just seeing space like just space it'd be like um halo when you get to the edge of the halo right damn yeah though so we need to make a halo not like a you know a weapon but just can you imagine just seeing this giant disc out in the distance and it just it'd be cool whew. That'd that's so how cool. it's how like a lot of um sort of sci-fi concept for spaceships are where they have like the big tubes that rotate Mm -hmm. around and then people can look up and you see like somebody else's house on top of the 
thing. You're like, That'd oh, be so awesome. Cool. I can't believe how expensive that would be, but sign I, me up. I can't believe they haven't tried a centrifugal force space station yet. Like you would think that that would be what they a module they would have added onto the ISS or something. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. I I read maybe a month or two ago that that there is a private company planning to do a artificial gravity space station test. So that's cool. I wonder if it would mess with your kind of like your inner ear stuff because you are. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's different than being than normal gravitational force, right? It's centrifugal right. force. So right. your feet are kind of moving faster than your head. And depending yep. on the size of it, maybe it affects how weird it feels. I don't know. But yeah, it's a good reason bigger, to test the it. The bigger it is, probably the better. Yeah. Well, for a test, they could make it fairly inexpensive because all you need is basically one chamber with a weight on the other end, right? And then you can make like a cord or like a or a truss as long as you need it to be, right? You don't have to build a whole wheel space station. Right. You just I hear spin. You. Like just a, start. Just start. Get up, guy up there, and the just start around. spinning, baby. For anyone dropping in now, this is what the podcast is about. It's uh, two guys that know nothing about space. Science. Yeah, science. <laughs> Space we play dynamics. video games and then give our thoughts on things that we probably should give our thoughts on. Yeah, we might, we were supposed to talk about video games here. Uh, mm -hmm. Welcome to the podcast. This is the Level With Me podcast. I think I've been skipping the intro lately because I we just get into it. But uh, we are a weekly podcast. We go out on Wednesdays. You can listen to us here on YouTube, subscribe to the playlist, or you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, all the other podcast locations. And you can also listen to the live recordings on Mondays, interact with us in chat, ask us questions, correct our stupid errors that we make along the way. Um, mm -hmm. And you can do that by signing up for our Patreon, which helps us out greatly. Um, all the links for that are in the video description. Smooth. Thank you. Thank you, sir. So, man... This way, last week, I wanted to talk about people can hop onto our Discord, which is also linked in the video description, and give us suggestions for what you'd like us to talk about. And Hunter, Hunter Coys, <laughs> wanted us to talk about some of the new handhelds coming onto the market. And it is actually an interesting topic because I have a Steam Deck. I like the mm -hmm. Steam Deck. But my main issues with the Steam Deck are that... I can only play Steam games on the Steam Deck, mm -hmm. right. which, in fairness, is the vast majority of PC games. But I would say it's almost all of them. But yeah, yeah, almost all of them. But it does annoy me when, say, Diablo Four came out, and I'm like, man, this True. would be great to play on the Steam Deck. Oh, right. you can't unless you do some weird. You, you can kind of make it work, but it's not native it's not or it doesn't run that well and it's as steam is running on proton so you can install couldn't you buy Windows. couldn't you buy diablo on steam or am i am i completely losing it you probably oh. couldn't never mind um yeah you could look it up i'm pretty sure no because i would have because i know that 4. blizzard does have like some game yeah you can buy diablo 4 on steam what yeah. shut up uh -huh. it's right there mixed reviews Though, really? when did Diablo 4, because it says October uh, 17th, is that when it released? Probably. Sounds right. Okay, wait. I just purchased Diablo 4 on my Steam Deck via Steam. I wanted to reach, I think I'm going to see any settings that just they found to enhance the game experience. Okay. Maybe, did it come out later on Steam? I don't know. It may, it may have. I don't know. 
Anyway, I remember trying to get it working on Steam at one point. It was a huge pain in the butt. Uh, or on the Steam Deck, rather. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can install Windows on a Steam Deck natively, which is neat. Um, but now there's other competitors out there. So uh, our commenter asked about the Lenovo Legion, which is like a little handheld. It looks just like a Steam Deck meets looks a like Switch, a Steam Deck, yeah. basically. I th I think a lot of these are going to come out on the market. I personally love the idea of seeing more of this. I do like the idea of the Steam Deck taking off, but I'm becoming less and less a fan of Steam's 30% aggressive uh, monetization yeah. on games. So if you have a product that's not tied into using Steam OS or Steam, then there's a chance you could buy a game on there without the 30% cut um, by running windows on it natively or something not again not that there's a lot of games out there that don't sell on steam but it's one of those things that i think eventually will have to be dealt with is that crazy 30 percent cut of all this stuff because imagine if microsoft took a 30 percent cut of every piece of software that sold for windows what do they, what do they take 10 15 microsoft doesn't take unless you buy it through the microsoft store they don't take a cut of software sales for windows like, oh, what does Apple take? So, um, again, they don't take a cut unless you buy it through their app store. Which is basically the only way you can buy anything on an iPad or like a, from well, their from their Apple products. Well, okay, but not from a not from a MacBook, right? Not from. Okay. So yeah, you can get a piece of software on the MacBook and install it with whatever. Download it from the website and install it in Apple doesn't take a cut of that I mean, they're literally, go they're literally going to court with like Epic and stuff like that because they have a quote unquote monopoly according to Epic because mm -hmm. their app store, you have to get it off of their app store to be able to buy anything. Yeah. I think we talked about this last week or the week before that Europe was cracking down on Apple already. So they, mm -hmm. I think they just made it so that you have, they have to let you sideload apps now mm -hmm. on uh, Apple products, which is like a first eventually big. that'll come to the states it always comes later usually wow. um but well, I, we like our monopolies over here you know? <laughs> we do we do we really yeah yeah corporations let's go i am wondering though how much longer these like sort of like steam provides a good service and it's just not 30 percent. it's like a flat 30 percent fee for everyone and you're like okay right. well that's worth it for some devs that might need all these extra services and additional stuff Usually not thirty percent though. It's a it's a huge percentage of any game. So it's a I'm just lot. wondering for when that comes to 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 a head. But I do like the idea of all these mobile game platforms popping up. I like the idea of Steam Deck making it. I just wish Steam and Steam OS wasn't so aggressive with the monetization. So it makes me almost want to support the alternative options a little bit more than the Steam Deck. So mm -hmm. if those start kicking off, that's gonna be great, you know. Hardware's getting faster and smaller. Well, yeah, I mean, I do agree. Uh, I don't really know much about handhelds because I haven't looked into them at all and I don't own one myself. But mm -hmm. I, it would be nice if, if there was an alternative that was just as good as the Steam Deck and didn't have those restrictions. I mean, that sounds like the better option. I mean, you're not buying the name brand, the one that everyone wants, the you know that, that uh, all consumers want. But if it's better, who cares? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I tend to agree. Uh, the, my only issue with, say, the Steam Deck right now and, like, one area where I think something like the Switch beats it is that the Switch 
is it's not very powerful but because it's not as powerful it doesn't get super hot the battery lasts longer mm, yeah, yeah yeah uh it's not like there was a big fan issue with the steam deck when it came out people were like trying to replace the fans and use different bearings and stuff because it would just be like and you're like <laughs> you're playing the game you're like i couldn't hear what the character was saying because it sounds like there's a <laughs> there's a leaf blower like, going yeah sounds like a jet engine's about to go off yeah uh so that is one issue with them and i i think that's just a pro byproduct of them trying to cram as much power into these things as possible because they don't have the same control as the N nintendo where nintendo could just be like hey make it work on our really low power platform and these guys are like oh we need to make it as powerful as possible so it can play as many games as possible otherwise it's going to get slammed with reviews being like it's not that powerful i can't play my favorite game at 60 fps or whatever right so they're kind of fighting a different battle on that front Speaking of Nintendo, oh, I uh, I watched. It's not super new movie. I think it came out last year, but the Tetris movie. Have you seen that? Uh, no, no, no. I did not. It's pretty good. It good. Yeah, yeah. It kind of threw me for a loop. I didn't expect it. I thought it was going to be more about the actual creation of Tetris. Like, okay. Thinking about it and then it becoming well known around the world. But yeah. it's the story sort of picks up around them trying to bring Tetris to the Western markets and mm -hmm. get it on arcade machines and the Nintendo uh, and all the other platforms. And the story goes around trying to get it out of the Soviet Union because it started there. Yeah, it was developed by a Russian uh, developer. And really, I did not know that. Yeah. And because he was working at a. Nobody owned nobody owned anything over there, right? No, no individuals owned their rights to anything they made. So the state literally owned Tetris, and it's like fascinating. And it's like Nintendo and these other companies trying to license Tetris mm -hmm. from basically from the crumbling Soviet Union that's ultra corrupt, and like all these like secret police guys are trying to like extort them and like. Uh, so was it was is like a drama? Was it a comedy? What, what? I think they might have. I'm. I'm. I should have looked this up before the podcast, but I'm sure they embellished some of the details. It is based on the true stories, but you know they have like a chase scene in there where they're being chased right, by right, right. the secret police around Russia, and you're like that. I don't know if that happened or not, but right. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting because it gives you. It it ends up being a little bit more about communism to a degree and sort of the absolute sacrifice of all your rights and freedoms as an individual so the dude who created tetris like doesn't belong to him and then they're trying to sell it to a company but it's super corrupt and the government's trying to get like a take on the sale and all this and so they're they're gonna sell the rights to this other weird company that's not nintendo just because the guy knows like the people in charge and is like mm -hmm. cutting them in on the deal basically um i've heard good things about it i liked it i thought it was good um it's definitely trying to make it watchable for somebody who's not as right. into video games right. you know they got to embellish some things it's it's like when you remember did you ever watch hacksaw ridge yeah the yeah i really liked it i, th I thought that was a great movie i liked it a lot but i was because <laughs> it's based off of the true story you know and everything yeah. but um they also embellish some things like you mentioned 
And yeah. I remember having a bit of an argument with someone and was like, what do you mean? It's it's all 100%. It's like, well, yeah, I think a lot of that stuff happened, except for when he does like a bicycle kick a grenade, like midair. <laughs> I'm like, come on, bro. Like, there's there no shot. There's 10 accounts of that happening. They're like, and <laughs> like then that time. Straight, he, like, yeah. bicycle kicks a grenade out of the air. I'm like, come on. Like, yeah, it was cool, I guess. But that's that didn't happen. Let's be real. <laughs> he may have kicked a grenade. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. They're like, oh, what if we just turn that into a bicycle kick? Slight embellishment, yeah. Great movie, by the way. Would recommend. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, well, I mean, speaking of war films, are you, did you watch the latest Master? I did. What, are we calling it the wrong thing? Masters of the Air. I think I called it Masters of Flight last podcast, and there was like 10 oh. comments in the thing that was like, it's Idiots. Masters of the Air. Idiot. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still digging it. It's... Yeah, it's really good. Oh, chat I'm wondering says he, kind of he where did it's... kick a grenade on the ground. That's the true part. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I don't think he bicycle kicked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I remember, maybe my memory is not as good for the movie, but yeah, it was ridiculous. Anyways, uh, yeah, Masters <laughs> of the Air is, is fantastic. I'm just wondering like where it's heading because uh, it's just like, man, yeah. people are just dying all the time. Yeah, you're like, is every episode... Is... All the cast dying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because, you know, that's basically what happened during the war. Yeah. No, I mean, the survival rates on these guys. So, the trailer for the show before it launched, I believe, showed some of the Red Tails guys. So, mm -hmm. I imagine some of the narrative will focus on the the Mustang pilots that start flying escort with them to a degree. Because mm. I believe, and again, I'm a terrible historian, as chat has pointed out several times, but I believe the, the Mustangs had much longer range. They were great fighters in general, but they could also fly much further, and it allowed ah. them to escort the B-17s. To actually help and just not yeah. let them be sitting ducks. Like, that was, that's so, like, oh, hey, thanks, boys, for escorting us. Now when the battle really begins, uh, you're yeah. not here. I'm like, what is, that just seems logistically not good, but. Yeah, no, it sucks. So, like, one of the episodes, you see their escorts turn around, and you're like, well, yeah. I mean, Thanks, guys. You protect. I mean, it probably they probably did they protect probably them did. through the they, channel. They were deterrent, but um, I, I they developed better fighters, longer range fighters, and so I think those guys were able to go with them f way further into a lot of those missions. And I imagine the show is going to focus on them to a, some degree as it goes mm -hmm. on. But obviously, these guys that are bailing out of these missions over in the middle of uh, German occupied Europe are then on the ground and they're having to make some crazy decisions of like uh do i one am i do i turn myself over do i try yep. and escape do i you know they have all these crazy decisions to deal with and so you have those narrative go going on in the background as well and it's it's so well done and every episode is like i find it hard to watch because you're like this is true like none of this this oh, doesn't yeah, feel embellished right you know like it's oh, I, I, I feel a constant sense of just like sadness where I'm, I'm just like, I can't believe people went through this. Yeah. This is what they had to do. God, can you imagine the PTSD? <laughs> no, no shot. No, I mean, nobody can. And they have that little allude to it in the show where they kind of, one of the shrinks comes in talking about, you know, the guys needing breaks and stuff right. from the missions and the, the guy in charge like, 
Yeah, breaks time. Breaks. We've been man has been fighting since the days of caveman, since we could pick up rocks and throw them at each other. You know, it's, like, this it's, is so different. Yeah, and the, and the guy is just sort of like, yeah, but this is we've never had warfare like this before. Right. You don't understand. This is <laughs> God. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff, man. Uh, I mean, they're gonna keep making books and movies about this specific aspect of this forever. war forever because it is probably one of the craziest things that's that's happened uh, mm -hmm. and it's nuts too because even on some of the missions where like almost nobody comes back from the mission they're like well they did hit the target and so on paper that it was, was kind worth of a it success for the for the military for the overall power, war effort. right mm -hmm. yeah they do the yeah. math they're like well yeah we lost a couple hundred guys but you know what that factory is out of commission so uh, the Germans are going to have to delay their push into wherever. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. such a good show. Uh, honestly, just reason enough to up your Apple TV subscription for a little bit. But look at me promoting an Apple product. Ugh, I mean, I feel dirty. It really is probably their best product. At least I don't. I don't consume any other Apple products, but it's the one that I have. And like so many good shows on that platform. Yeah. I don't think I've watched a show there. Well, no, I take it back. I did. There was that alien dumb invasion show. I wasn't really keen on. Apparently it gets better. But besides that one, uh, <laughs> it's been I, great, great content. Yeah. Shall we uh, actually talk about video games for a second? Video games on this channel? Yeah. I would. Did you? If you'd be so I inclined. Know, I know you've been enjoying Helldivers too. Yep. Uh, did yep. you notice that it topped Grand Theft Auto 5's concurrent player count on Steam. I did see that. I think it got over like 400,000 on Steam. Yeah. Do you think Sony's going to start launching some more PCs alongside the the same release date as their big titles oh. now? Oh, you mean you mean to say that there's a huge market of PC players out there that they just haven't tapped into for whatever reason because they're Sony? I yeah. no 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 way. I like how Sony's just getting on board and they're like, "What? What? Where's wait all this second. money coming from?" <laughs> The guys who can afford high-end PCs, you idiots! Like, come on! Right. I <laughs> mean, I guess you, I know. I know you want them on your ecosystem, but at the same time, people that play on PC want to play on PC. They're only going to go over to console if they have to. Yeah. And especially game for a game is like so this, so good that you right. are gonna get a console to play it. Right. Otherwise, you're playing on PC. Yeah. Otherwise, they're gonna just buy the game on PC, or they're just going to ignore it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think hopefully this will be a wake-up call. I don't mind if. Microsoft and Sony do this thing well Microsoft which we could get to later is, is now going to be bringing apparently some over to Sony mm -hmm. but I'm okay if they just kind of you know they they have their walled gardens but maybe kind of deviate a little bit to PC side every once in a while like they've been doing with Microsoft for a couple of years yeah it's uh it's encouraging man um how's the game holding up uh, uh well two, except for servers unfortunately the yeah, servers yeah, have I been know. struggling they keep hitting max concurrent player yeah. counts and they're like uh turn on more servers guys like which is not apparently very easy to do so they're struggling i think they got up to four, i think they had four hundred fifty thousand was their cap and that was between pc and playstation together and they were just hitting it and this was, I think, early in this early this weekend. I don't know if they've improved that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah the game's the game's killing it. It is a it's not the worst problem to have. <laughs> it is if you're a player because you want to play. Yeah, as but, a developer, yes. you're like, oh, we're too successful. The game we're suffering from unstable. success. Yeah, that's been the theme. Yeah, 
It's cool though, man. I I like seeing these. It's not even that Helldivers Two is necessarily super innovative. It's just no. really good at what it does. Right. It they made a game that does something really really well, and that gameplay loop is just is just satisfying. Where you find a lot of these other games don't do things very well. They maybe do a bunch of stuff only okay or decent. And it's like, oh, well, it's almost like people like to do, uh, like to play a game that's well made to do one thing and Mm -hmm. one thing only. I think it also points out just how effective a really finely tuned gameplay loop, satisfying visuals, satisfying audio, satisfying uh, artwork and animations yep just contributes to like hey guess what it's it's kind of yeah you've played this game before in some way or another but this looks amazing it plays amazing it's been mm-hmm. tested they didn't we didn't try and overblow with all these crazy concepts we just made it really well swifty mentioned that there's a patch tomorrow so if you're listening to the podcast on wednesday which is you know 99.9999 percent of you then maybe it's better so the patch is supposed to address some of the server stuff oh that's good yeah I'm I'm happy for them. I mean, it does suck for players that, you know, bought the game and now aren't able to play because they don't want to assist. They don't even have a queue. It's just first come, first serve. So if you load up the game and it's like, oh, yeah, you didn't get in. Now you have to just kind of wait. Uh, yeah, and hope that the next weird. time you reconnect, it kind of, so that kind of sucks. But all in all, it's, I, I, I love to hear success stories like this of a small little company. I don't think that it's like tiny company, but they're definitely, this, this game was not, hyped up to the point where you would have assumed that it would have been at this at this place so yeah. it's great to see the success it, it definitely i saw some articles where the devs were like we were not anticipating this level <laughs> yeah. of success at all like we were expecting it to sell and people to enjoy it because they've already made a, a game before so they were probably expecting it to be somewhere within the realm of the original hell divers and then it just exploded yeah um but <laughs> I think Helldivers, the original Helldivers, its max concurrent was 6,600 <laughs> on Steam. I mean, they got to be so happy with the, the success of it. But what's funny about that is, like, you say they didn't even have a queue set up. Is why would you <clears throat> at that scale, right? You're like, right. yeah, we're going to hit a nice peak at launch. And then yeah, this, isn't, just... this isn't Diablo or, you know, yeah. <laughs> so they did, why, why design a queuing system? Because right. that's just more dev time for something that's yeah. literally never going to get used. So why would we have that? And now they're like, uh, yeah, we don't have a queuing system and there's 450 concurrent and it's growing. It's it just <laughs> the keeps player getting bigger and bigger because the people who want to play can't play it, I guess. And they're just they right. log on the next day and they're like, can I play it now? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's so crazy, dude. Can't wait to see what they do with it too. And I like the, the the way they've been handling it in terms of like we need to earn the right to monetize. It's like, oh damn, refreshing. Okay, yeah. You gotta you gotta you gotta earn, gotta show us why it should be monetized further. And uh yeah, I just everything about it just they seem like they they get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's because they're just small, smaller devs that hit it off big, and so they have yeah. that smaller dev let's make a good game for the players mentality as opposed to big 
big studio that's like we're gonna make we need we need amazing to make game and you're gonna play it damn it we you need know? to make as much money as possible not yeah. a lot of money all of the money speaking of transitioning very nicely into skull and bones oh baby how are you enjoying Woo! your quadruple a game over there man oh it was so it's it's so many a's so many a's <laughs> I, it might even be a quintuple yeah, Quinti it might Quinti be. Yeah, something. We the game finally came out. Now, full disclosure, I did a sponsored stream for it. So, yeah. um, uh, just just for transparency, I did a sponsored stream for it. Um, I enjoyed what was there, and I watched Skilled Up's video of it, mm -hmm. and I thought he made a really good uh, point. Where if you didn't know that this game was in development for like a decade, if you didn't know that this game, you know, passed between like fifty thousand different developers, and you just assumed <laughs> that it just came out of nowhere and wasn't related to Black Flag at all, uh, like a beloved yeah. uh, game, um, you would think that it was fine. And it is. It is. It's. It's an okay, fine game that does kind of a sandbox. You play as a ship. You are a ship. You're not a character. You are a boat, and you go around trying to get better boats and better upgrades for your boat. And that's, that's the game. Yeah. Well, now, would you think it was fine with the $70 price tag? Uh, that's where it kind of gets a little, yeah. Yeah. It's, or would you, it's, does it's a it, bit of a steep price. Yeah. What do you think is a fair price for this game? Having played it now? Oh, I don't, I, that I don't think I could answer. Why not? Um, Cause I don't know. Uh, I, I really, do I don't, don't. Oh, cause you're so detached from normal monetary problems with your massive, uh, influencer success. You're like, well, oh, how yeah, much does a carton of milk that, cost? Yeah, how's milk? What is that? $10 these days? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's a hundred dollars for milk. Right. I, I don't know. Like I'd say 40, 50. It's going to depend on from person to person though. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, obviously, I'm not asking you what is the definitive correct <laughs> price. I'm asking you what you think is a fair all price. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I'm not sure, but I would say around that, yeah, 40, 40 to 50 dollars would, would have more, felt more reasonable for yeah. what the game has to offer. Um, there's a story, and the story is fine, but <laughs> the big the big issue with it is that you there's a, a there's two main characters that you interact with. Uh, one of them is who we're going to talk about is, 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 I think his name is John Skurlock or Skurlock. And he's, he's an okay character. Um, but he, oh, he just monologues to you because you're a, you're a mute. You don't say, you don't say a word the entire time. There'll be like a, like a dialogue thing that will come yeah. up every once in a while and he can react to that. Yeah. I don't know if it changes the way he, you know, like, does it change the, the dialogue later on? I have no idea, probably slightly. Um, but the problem is, is that he keeps complaining about how he's being betrayed by his, you know, his other captains, or there's this menace out there that's trying to steal all of his, his loot and stuff and making things difficult, but you never interact with those other people ever. There's never dialogue with them. You never see who they are. You will, every once in a while, you'll, you'll see their ship and their name is above it and you'll take them out and be like, Hey, great job. So there's, there's just like this. So really big disconnect uh, with that's everything. It's so weird because almost every yeah. other game, even like an indie game, they'll have like maybe a little quip line or something like that pop up when you run into the bad guy you're supposed to hunt down. Or they'll right. or you'll initiate a conversation, a dialogue with them before the combat. But that doesn't happen in this? 
Not really. Not that I can remember. It's, it's all, very weird. It's all very disconnected where, I mean, I guess yeah. in real life, that's kind of how it would be because sure. you would just be going off and you would, you'd only hear the stories of yeah, what you these people did. you don't monologue with the enemy before you fight them IRL. You just try right. and shoot the guy or whatever. Right. So I guess you could make the argument that, but it like as a game and as a story, there is a, it's, it just feels very disconnected where you're just going from yeah. mission to mission and it's, it's just an excuse to go out and, and be a pirate for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a bit of a weak spot. Also, <laughs> the camera doesn't really move a whole lot. So it's literally, you're just, it, it's like the Bethesda effect where oh, you're just, no, the camera's man. just kind of staring at the guy and he just sort of talks to you. There's no Do, dynamic really. Am I really. the only one that just misses games where it doesn't lock your camera anywhere? You're just there and they speak. And if you want to look at them, you can. And if you uh -huh. want to look at the bookshelves or whatever the heck, you can do that too. I, I like that too, but I would prefer some cinematography. I yeah. I mean, th that would be nice. Um, yeah. Just Also, have I just mute characters can work. They can. But man, I find it so much more immersive when your character actually talks to someone. <laughs> And yeah. it's not just them trying to write around the fact that the other person is is just going to sit there and listen. Well, also for a quadruple A game, mm -hmm. you can afford some goddamn voice acting for your main right. character. Yeah. In fact, you can afford to have it be a male or a female character and have two people do the lines yeah. a la cyberpunk or whatever. You could. Yeah. You'd think so. Yeah, I don't know where that fourth A went, really. Uh, somewhere. I, You'll find it in the depths of the ocean is that fourth A look. I will say that the gameplay loop can be kind of fun. Uh, yeah. Because it's it, it, it does remind me more of a survival game, weirdly enough, where you're trying to go out and gather resources, and then you use those resources to then make bigger ships and more powerful ships. And I then, like that concept. I think you can integrate survival to any genre. You can, really. You kind of can. And when you're using, like, you, you get torpedoes because, you know. What? Yeah, you get torpedoes. Don't worry about it. It's cool. So <laughs> strap dynamite to a dolphin? What is it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, they actually, like, fall off the side of your ship and then they, then they just go. But it's it makes it really satisfying when because it takes some skill and you kind of have to yeah. line it up and engage their speed based off your speed and the distance. And once, once you get, like, all three to land and a hit and you see the huge yeah. explosion and then it does, like, splash damage to the other ones that are also nearby, like, it feels good. Like, yeah. they, like there is some enjoyment there you got like more fire which that also has the gameplay wasn't fun enough and they're like right. oh no, crap absolutely 100%. we need some, we need torpedoes man they're like we, they didn't have torpedoes they're like i had torpedoes no, 100%. yeah they needed they needed to add in like these fantasy or more fantastical uh weapons because if it was just how you cool have a would cannon, it be if it was like a manatee tr trained to swim towards the other <laughs> ship <laughs> and then blow itself up jesus <laughs> you just light the thing <laughs> Swim, you have, swim you have this guy who just goes, just go, little manatee. Uh, be free. That's terrible. That's how I would have done it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. For the technology's uh, sake, you know. I mm -hmm. mean, like, whoa, they didn't have torpedo tech. You you need a dolphin or a manatee. You know, yep. something. Yeah. So the gameplay at times was was very satisfying. I I, I like the gameplay, and I think that's why I, I think I put I definitely put like 15 hours or more. Well, no, I played three, three days. So, um, yeah, I think I brought 18 hours. I, so I had fun. I didn't complete the main story. Yeah. I got close. I think. Are you done with and, it or are you going to, uh, more? probably, I think I might be done with it for now. Yeah. Okay. I might go back to it off like stream and maybe see like what the end game is like. Cause they do have like an end game loop 
where I haven't experienced it myself, but you basically set up little uh, stations around the map where you have to like defend and attack and like upgrade them. And you pretty much just try to build your pirate empire, which sounds interesting, but mm -hmm. you would really need to enjoy that gameplay loop to continue on. But if you, if you do, and I have friends that just really enjoy it, um, they're, they're liking the game. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's annoying when the news of a game's failures and development hell precedes it mm -hmm. to potentially impact the perception though. I don't think they could have escaped the price tag that they threw on the game. I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think it's a bad game. I, I think it's, I think it's an okay game. It's, it's fine at what it does, but I think the biggest thing that is that held it back is that I'm getting the sense that they Ubisoft is like, we need to make all of our game needs to be live service. We need to make something that will have a coattail that will continue mm -hmm. to make and generate money long term. Where yeah, in reality, those NFTs, baby, we're in the long in the long run or even even in the short term, they're probably going to make less money because they tried to really just shoehorn this into what could have been an incredible like if they made a black flag that wasn't exactly like black flag, but had a great story with interesting characters and yeah. wasn't around the fact that it needed to be multiplayer and they needed to make it into a live service. I can only imagine it probably would have been a better game overall and potentially sold more because of that. I mean, I, I can't yeah. predict the future. Do you or think what that, that would have fallen into the like. typical Ubisoft formula of like kind of an Assassin's Creed game, but just on the sea or black flag it, yeah, yeah it just kind of fall into do you think it could have it suffered in that way if it had fallen because it it sort of sounds like you're describing a game that's a little bit more in line with the typical ubisoft's open world whatever they're making true you know true yeah yeah good point one of their ghost recon assassin creed whatever you know and <clears throat> it's like they make these expensive large-scale massive games that are just starting to feel more and more vapid you know where you're just like eh, it's the same thing as that other game and you guys spun a little web for the story and here's the characters but it's ultimately like it it, it they just feel like copy and paste of the same game formula they do it does get a little copy and paste with ubisoft they they kind of go in stages where um a long time ago for before assassin's creed origins came out they had this realization where they realized they were just doing the, they were making the same game and they're like, okay, we need to do something different. And so then that's when origin came out and people were really happy with it because it was, it was of a deviation from what they were doing before. And then now they've been, they're like, oh, we had huge success with that. So let's just keep doing that now. Mm -hmm. And I think they've, they're reaching the point again where it's like, okay, now we've been doing this for a while. We like, what do we do now? Yeah. So. I'm not saying I wanted to copy and paste of what they did before, but I think that if there was less attention on just trying, because I'm imagining that's why the game languished in development hell for a decade is because they're really trying to make that live service work. I could be completely wrong. Who knows? No, you we, might be. Uh, it because it doesn't seem like that complex of a game in terms. It's not of what the actual gameplay loop is. Yeah. I can't. I do remember reading up on. I think they tried to make it more of what the original concept of is like multiple people on the same boats and all this other stuff. And I mm -hmm. think they are running into some real big technical issues with it, uh, due to uh, like server sync issues and apparently like mm -hmm. doing things at a certain scale 
is really, really hard. Like the net oh, code sure. side of it is super difficult. And I, I think maybe a couple of years ago, I can't remember if I made a video or if I just retweeted it, but it was like, it was one of the delay announcements and they cited like that, uh, they're having trouble with some of the technical sides of giving, getting the multiplayer stuff to sync up properly. And I was like, oh yeah, there's uh, all the games that are trying to do these big multi-vehicle habitational environments where you can interact with other people and things that move through an open world. All those devs are delaying and struggling massively because that's like a super tough nut to crack, apparently. So. And the funny thing is, is like, I, I mean, I, I did play with a friend like mm -hmm. once but for the most part i like you would see some people on the high seas but it was just ai like yeah almost the majority of the time it was like it doesn't it didn't need to be i i think they probably scaled all that back because i don't i think they couldn't get it to work at they the quality that they wanted you know um mm -hmm. yeah it's gotta be hard yeah um i feel you know it's hard because there's a lot of talented devs at ubisoft that are trying to make a good product and ultimately they're subjected to whatever their their higher ups want to do you know so they get right. labeled as uh, under the the ubisoft flag which kind of sucks for them but right it is what it is man that's corporate well, I mean, game development so going back to the whole live service thing it's i think it's the same thing with uh, the recent suicide squad game where mm -hmm. it's like that game could have maybe been better if it wasn't trying to just be a live service yeah yeah, it's hard to know what the right choice is, but the, it seems like all the models are trying to integrate live service somehow. And it's it's just really a scale of how much are they banking on the live service for their revenue stream and how much are they just saying, yeah, it's an add on if you want to buy some skins or something. And right. Don't if you don't want to partake, you don't have to. We've talked about this before, but there's only so much of a pie. Right? Yep. Like there's only so many players and there's only so many people that can play these live service games. There's Eventually, so I, many great games that are completely free on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like devs are forgetting or publishers are forgetting that it's like you, there's only so much of a player base out there. And if you keep making live service games and you want them only playing your game, your pie is going to get your the piece of the pie is going to get smaller and smaller for everybody. So uh, good luck trying to carve yours out because there are like people are already playing their favorite games and to get them converted especially for a game that probably shouldn't have been live service to begin with is going to be a tough a, a tough sell yep yep i don't know where it's going to go down the road but i think a bunch of publishers are going to lose a lot of money probably lost some last year but a lot more are going to lose more money this year just because they're launching these big titles into already saturated markets you know mm -hmm. um it's it's hard to know what the financial model is on some of these games, but I see small studios come out with a game that sort of like has a brief flash and then it evaporates, but then the studio's working on another game after that. So I think they just get investors and stuff. People are like, yeah, they can make a good game. The last one wasn't, they didn't calculate the interest well enough, but the game itself was competent. So let's have them well, make yeah, another like, one. Like Power World, the developer, like they had a, a statement that was basically, I think there was an article or something that came out that said that Power World has lost like 80% of his player base or like 60% of his player base within two weeks. And then they came out and said like, hey, um, thanks for playing our game. We're really happy with all the success that we've gotten. And um, we're not trying to make a live service. We're just trying to make a fun game. Yeah. And... It, you know, we're going to be making more and uh, we're going to be developing this further on, but where it's not going to be within like a week or two, it's going to be months down the road. Yeah. And if you come back, great. If you don't, that's also great. Thank you for, thank you for experiencing our game. And it's like, yeah, 
not everything needs to be this game where you keep playing it yeah. like it's a job, like it's a like it's a a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You can bounce from game, and they literally said that you know, bounce from game to game, try out other stuff, and like that's that's gaming. And I that's think, okay. I feel like No Man's Sky, even though I don't like that game because it's not really my cup of tea, was mm-hmm. a good example of like. Uh, even though I had a, its launch problems and stuff, it's massively improved the experience over the years with quality DLC, but it doesn't seem like it's designed in a way for people to come play it forever and mm-hmm. just keep playing it till the next DLC drops, right? It's like DLC drops, you come in, you build some bases, you explore, you make your spaceships with your friends, and then you kind of burn out on it, and that's fine. And then right. a DLC will drop later, and that'll bring you back into it um right uh, you know uh, but saying that that's the right way to do things for everyone isn't always fair and it of it often works best for the games that are very financially successful in the first place so they mm-hmm. can be like, yeah, let's invest a bunch of money into making DLC where other games are well, like, Well, oh, it was more of the comment of in, 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 the, in the mentality that a game needs to be successful long-term to have it. And the only way that a game is a successful, is yeah. successful, is for them to like have a player base that it maintains it long-term. But it's like, no, it's a single-player yeah. game. Like, what do, do you what think do you that's learn? a mentality that the media and or player base put, puts Both. out there? Both. Where devs never are looking at it that way, where they're like... Yeah. yeah. No, if somebody comes and plays our game for eight hours and then are done with it, that's fine. Mm. Like, we're glad you had fun obviously, for eight hours. Yeah. Obviously, it differs from game to game. If it's a multiplayer and yeah. it's designed around keeping it, then, then obviously that's going to be a failure if they're if they're leaving. But for especially a single player game, like, who cares? Uh, if they're leaving after a week, it's like they played it for a week and they had fun, like mission accomplished. And they also sold. It's not like there's microtransactions. I don't think there was microtransactions, mm-hmm. but it's not like there's this long form of monetization that they're banking on because they already sold the game. And if they had fun and they'll come back for a future update, then great. Yep. Yep. Speaking of these, uh, open worlds, copy and paste style games, uh, respawn is working on a Mandalorian. The same team. I think that's where that did the Jedi survivor games is working on a Mandalorian game. Oh, really? And it's like more FPS oriented. I think than was there, was that revealed? It was leaked or something. Oh, yeah, it might be leaked or something. Are you? I'll be honest. I the last Jedi Survivor game kind of burned me out on the franchise. I think I'm Mm. like if they announced a new Jedi Survivor game coming out next year, I yeah, I I think I'll pass on it this time. Really? Yeah, I I liked the first one a lot, and the second one just kind of felt like the first one, but almost not as good in many ways. I um, thought it was actually better than the first, but did. I also felt like it had this a lot of the problems I had with the first one where I didn't actually feel like a Jedi. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like the characters a lot more in the first one and okay. in the second one I the story was a little bit like they're trying some weird offshoot stuff with the story, less into mm-hmm. it and I don't know. I just I wasn't digging the gameplay as much. Um That's fair. Yeah, the gameplay really is sure the why. issue that I had. The, the, the boss battle is incredible. Some of my favorites. But mm-hmm. as soon as you had to fight like multiple uh, enemies, it, I think it just it completely lost it lost me on the, the... And I was playing the hardest difficulty, so that was probably my fault. But um, <laughs> And I think I've described this before on the podcast, but I just... When I, think of a, when I think of a Jedi, I don't think someone who's like running around uh, like a lunatic trying to like just get away from the enemy... Mm-hmm. I think of someone who's like able to block everything that they, that, you know, that comes their way yeah. and then weave in attacks at the same time. But 
because that it, it just doesn't allow for that at least at least at the harder difficulties you have to constantly be dodging and uh running away and it's like that's not a jedi that's a coward um i don't know it just didn't, it didn't really fulfill that fantasy of of what i would think of for yeah you wanted to be Star a little Wars. bit more of like a high skill ninja dude like jumping around and doing stuff and they're sort of like swordsmen with magic also and you're like okay yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I get it because it's kind of like a souls game god of war style so yeah they they want to have that system in place but when when you're getting stun locked by blast like stun locked by blasters like yeah okay, when a dude what? with a riot shield is like a challenge you know you're like uh -huh. or not necessarily a challenge but when it's like two guys with riot shields and you're like whoa hang on now now we gotta <laughs> like, think about this and you're like <laughs> yeah. you're a jedi like come on just cut right. through their shields you know right like, and maybe it's just because I'm bad at video games. That's that's dis distinctly no. possible. It is a hard problem to solve because you want to fight stormtroopers, mm -hmm. but stormtroopers aren't a, really a challenge. So is the whole game going to be like you just cutting through these guys cutting like a hot wave through right. butter? Yeah, it's know? it's it's a tough. It is a tough thing to balance yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So you you have to figure out some weird. That's always a weird challenge in video games, right? It's like. How do I make it plausible that I just killed a hundred guys on this mission <laughs> and right. also make it seem semi-realistic? It's like right. there, you always have to come up with some sort of gimmick, some sort of weird reason. Okay. You're a Jedi. You killed a hundred people. Uh, okay. You're AI enhanced uh, and you have special slow-mo abilities. Okay. You can do that. You know, like they, they have to come up with some reason to do what it. What I Otherwise, think I would have preferred like, yeah. is something where it was more of like they just get like you hit incredibly hard. You're a glass cannon, right? Everything's a glass cannon where you mm -hmm. hit really hard, but they hit really hard. So you can just like mow through enemies if you're really good. Yeah. But at the same time, like if you make a mistake, then you get taken out. But yeah, I'm not that a game would developer. probably make it less accessible to a lot of people. Yeah, probably. Uh, then you have True. that problem. Yeah. 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 Ah. So the Mandalorian game, do we know anything about it or is it just a rumor right now? Just a uh, rumor. I don't know if it's confirmed. I think it's a fairly reliable rumor because I've seen it in a few places now. But okay. um, I don't know. I'm not that. Uh, I when I heard the news, I went. I'm I hugely respectful of Respawn. I think mm -hmm. they've done very competent work with the Jedi Survivor games, but I feel like the Mandalorian is going to be kind of a copy and paste of the Jedi Survivor experience. I just feel that okay. way, right? But with more FPS mechanics, right? right um or maybe i don't know i just i wonder if it will be an fps or if it'll be third person yeah it did say it was kind of i i read the word fps in there so i don't know mm. if that means actually fps or if it's just more shooter stuff but i don't know about you and this actually can transition very nicely into another topic um but first person i feel like first person single players in particular um they're hard it's hard to make them interesting um, mm. there is really, it's really challenging to make the, the gameplay loop, um, you know, fun for, uh, extended periods of time. Um, the, like, obviously there's exceptions. You've got your doom franchise. Mm -hmm. Doom is incredible. Um, but immortals of avium, there was a, there was Half an article, life, but you get one of those every 10, 20 years or something. Right. Um, there was an article by Kotaku, <laughs> you know, our Ko Kotaku that said, oh, uh, yeah, immortals yeah, yeah. of avium, mm -hmm. um, didn't do very well. And this is this illustrates the the downfall or how poorly received single player FPS games are. And a lot of people took that article and that headline, and be like, "Wait a second, 
I don't think it's an indication that those games are yeah. in a rough place. It's more of just that was just kind of a mediocre game. It's a very weak connection of of a premise that in itself is interesting to explore, yeah. but Immortals of Avium had many problems beyond just being first person. I mean, I don't hold right. FPS against it in any way. Like if Doom Immortal like tanked, right? Mm -hmm. And it was as amazing as it was, it'd be like, oh yeah, okay, this makes sense. Then yeah, maybe, maybe first person. What about the Far Cry uh, games? Those have all been yeah, those are, those are massively first successful. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty successful. Yeah. You can do lots of good cutscenes and stuff in first person. Um, Half-Life mm -hmm. 2 is one of my favorite single-player games, and that was what I like so much about that, is they don't ever cut your camera away from your first-person perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't do cutscenes in that, and it just fully immerses you in the world. Mm -hmm. And they just, they catch your attention by, like, triggering a little, you know, something falls off a shelf. You look over there, and, like... But that takes a lot of time to design. It takes a lot those, of time and effort. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the, I'm really excited for Stalker too. That's yeah. gonna be first person. Yeah. Can't can't wait for that. But I feel like there needs to be more than just shooting. Like Call of like Call of Duty, as, as much fun as those campaigns can be, they're mm -hmm. really, really basic when you get down to I've it. I've stopped playing them, man. They're so boring. <laughs> yeah. Shoot the guys. And so like you yeah. have to do something, you have to do something interesting to catch people's attention, yeah. I think. Cause if you just I'm gonna shoot at some guys, maybe take some damage, duck behind cover, wait for my health to regenerate and rinse and repeat, that's gonna get stale. Yeah. And that's what I feel like a lot will just kind of default to. Yeah, I think the survival genre does really well first person because it's like what was that? Um, there's been a bunch of cool little first person in well, Sons of the Forest. Sons of the Forest. That's going to um, have its a 1.0 update. I think it's probably when this launches. Yeah, right. Uh, then um, Firewatch was that cool little indie game that was more narrative focused, but it was also yeah, first person. There really wasn't shooting though, but yeah, I hear no, you. No, <laughs> but you, what I'm saying is it's told I, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. first person perspective. I think there's some things that you can do really well from it. I, I don't think there's a lot of weight in that idea that first person is not as good right. for certain stuff. It's just, if you the have a vision that works well from first person, then go for it, you know? I think that's why people were kind of poking fun at the Kotaku article. It's like, this is, I don't think yeah. it's because of the genre. I think it's because Immortals of Avium was just not the greatest game. It was just media. It was just bland. I, yeah. you know what? bugged me so much about immortals of avium mm. and like it sucks because they were trying to make a brand new ip super yep. risky right so i was yep. like give them some props for that trying to make a brand new wizard world right uh, that's pretty tough to do um had good had good um uh characters in there good acting you know like so it was a little cheesy a little tv drama e but it was good for a video game i thought i thought it was decent um but you've got okay so you're a wizard you've got these three magic powers that you can cycle between i'm expecting to see like some doctor strange level abilities where you could like pull guys through time portals and like do all this crazy stuff but nope all you get is like beam weapons and like pew pew laser weapons i'm like this is li yeah. this is all you can do with it you get the this is a sh this is a shoddy yeah. this is a this is a sniper yeah, you get the green magic, which is I suck at aiming, so it will auto track the bad guys <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you get the like what the red magic, which is like AOE or something, and then like blue, which is like sniper magic, and it's just like that's that's the level of create. So you built this whole world with all this. You spent a hundred fifty million dollar production on building out this giant game with great art assets, by the way. 
fantastic art assets, really good, interesting ideas for the lore. And then they just throw the most bland gameplay ideas on top of him. Like, you didn't want to take any cool risks with it. Any any weird... I mean, like, they did take risks, but gameplay-wise, not so much. Yeah, the gameplay was just like, shoot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Upgrade your shooty guns. Okay. Is it? Yep. Oh, but it, it's not... They're not guns, guys. It's magic. You're like, all right, whatever. It's magic. Magic. I, I feel bad because I think that studio shut down and nobody working yeah. there is at fault, but aside from the, the people who shut down the... I'm sure at some point there were some good ideas there and somebody's like, nah, I don't, I don't get this. I don't understand your complex magic combat. And then they're like, just make it like guns. <laughs> I mean, that's, and that's what they did. Probably happened. That probably, probably, happened. you know, I went back to play. Sometimes you got to go back in time to play a good game. You know, you're, uh -huh, you're waiting okay. for these good titles to come out, but so many games come out every year. We can't play them all. Sometimes you just miss out completely on a game. And I found this game because I'm sort of researching space games for my own space game. I'm trying to fill in my knowledge gaps, right? I'm like, what space games did I miss out on? Found one that came out in 2016 called House of the Dying Sun. Have you heard about it? Never know. Yeah. So it was marketed primarily as a VR title because I think they're kind of trying to push a bunch of VR games back then. Um, it works okay. fine without VR. Like, uh, I think the VR adds to the experience, but it's totally, totally passable Playable. as a non VR game. Um, but it's a little spaceship fighter game and it's got great style. It's got this almost Dune like kind of narrative backstory where you're like, you're like executing the, it's funny. Cause it says like execute the, um, Shoot, I'm trying to think of like the betrayer or something or the, yeah, yeah. The, it's all kind of this royal decree type way of explaining things, but you're in starfighters, you know, so you're, you're sort of fighting for your house and okay. uh, fighting for power in this galaxy. Oh, I like that. I like yeah. That a lot. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it, but it doesn't go deep on the narrative. It's a very bite-sized game. That's just like, you can probably beat in a couple hours um, and then switch to higher difficulties if you want to do that. But what was neat about it is not only do is the art style great, it's very simplistic, but really attractive, but it teaches you all the really complex space com space dogfighting skills that you could say find in Star Citizen and teaches it to you in like five minutes and you wow. can do it on like an Xbox controller and, wow. and have fun. I was like, this is what all these freaking space games are missing. Like just a good onboarding experience. Just and, a good tutorial. Yeah. And not needing 10,000 keys to do some. So it does most of the stuff you can do in these other games, but just yeah. with like 10 different buttons instead of like 50, you know, mm -hmm. it's always my gripe with these big space sim games where you have to memorize an entire keyboard of like you're on a spaceship itself. Yeah. And it's, and, and you're just like, well, what if you just held that down and it gave you five options instead of having to memorize five keys, you uh -huh. know? Um, and this game just does a great job of thinking about what's most important in this space combat, what's most fun. Let's put all that right there and not overcomplicate the rest of it. And they, they give you almost as much depth as like one of these more crazy space games out there. Cool. Um, yeah. When did it come out? 2016. Oh, so it's been a while. Yeah, but it's it. They picked a very um, stylized graphic style, so it holds up in that regard. 
you're not going to be like, oh, these graphics are terrible. It's like, well, they're, <clears throat> no, they're stylized, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, so they were smart about it that way. I think it was done just to make it perform well on VR. Um, Probably. But yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of like a little gem. I was quite pleased with it. Oh, nice. Um, it's always fun when that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Go Pleasantly back. surprised. Yeah, I like doing that with movies a lot. It's like just going mm -hmm. back and like, oh, this weird movie from the 70s is amazing. <laughs> Have you ever seen A Boy and His Dog? A Boy and His Dog? No. I think that's the name of it. I want to make sure I get the title right since I'm getting so many... Uh, the boy, boy and his puppy. His dog. Yeah, that's it. 1975. We'll go watch that movie, Matt. <laughs> okay. I uh, a whole movie is based on a punchline. The whole thing builds up to a single punchline at the. I mean, it's not really based on a punchline, but honestly, like the punchline is the best part of the film at the very end. It's it's fantastic. Okay. Post-apocalyptic. There's a there's a a guy, a boy, if you will. And his dog roaming the wasteland trying to survive. But the dog is the smarter of the two. And the dog, so it's like radioactive wasteland. The dog is a mutant, has telepathic abilities, and can communicate with the boy. 1975. Yeah. So there's no CGI. It's that they literally just do a voiceover that the guy hears in his head. Uh-huh. And so he's like his little shaggy dogs like talking to him. <laughs> or is like, this guy just insane? Did you just like if it's post apocalyptic with all the radiation, maybe he's just it's thinking possible. He's listening I didn't to actually his dog? think about that, but that's yeah, that could be a different depth to the the story there. <laughs> the so, dog's just wandering around like, what is my what is my you know, my friend doing here? Well, it's funny because it's a movie where you're the main character, you you don't particularly like him because he's not a good person and he's kind of stupid and the okay. dog is sort of the one calling the shots <laughs> and like you know telling him what to do and like hey you don't stay away from those guys over there and and whatever i really i desperately want them to remake this movie i think it would be fantastic but it's kind of unwatchable nowadays because of how old it is yeah um huh and then i was okay. watching yeah like maybe a while back you remember that show adventure time yeah, I never really watched it though. Yeah, not a. I mean, yeah, you're an adult. I wouldn't expect you to. I don't know why I got. Well, I know. On it. I know it's pretty popular for even adults too. But it. Yeah, I, th I think it was aimed more towards a younger audience. I got on a kick for a while where I was watching it. Mm -hmm. This was before I had kids. I was just like, this show's great. I don't know why I yeah. like it so much. And uh, it occurred to me that the whole premise of the show is like almost identical to a boy and his dog. And I was like, is this inspired directly <gasps> from a boy and his dog? Because he's got a dog with kind of magical powers, and the dog yeah. is generally a lot smarter than the main character <laughs> in the show. And I was like, this is pretty much the same premise. Yeah, but in uh, cartoon form. Let us know in uh, the comments if you've seen A Boy and His Dog. I'd be very surprised to see other, find other people that have seen this ancient film. But a uh, solid one. Good one for a remake. I'm normally not a huge fan of remakes because they always screw them up, but that'd mm -hmm. be one I'd be down But that for. one would be interesting? Yeah. Um, oh, uh, I played some more games this week. Yeah. One oh, of games. them. Okay. Yeah. Games. I mean, we can keep talking about movies and shows if you want. No, I'm just um, but I played deep rock galactic survivor, which is, is that the top down one? It is. Yeah. Yes. So it, I'm assuming, you know, what deep rock galactic is rock and yeah. stone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's set in the same universe and you fight a lot of the same bugs and things like that, but it is, 
I don't know. Apparently, the Survivor is now just a genre because it's inspired by uh, Vampire Survivor, the top-down game oh. where you go around and you yeah. uh, you take out you take out the enemies. You you kind of gather them around, take them out. That's and a roguelike, right? Yeah, and this exactly what this is too. And this is roguelike. So it's just kind of so this become a new genre now. That top-down roguelike. Yeah, so Interesting. It's, it looks a lot better than, at least visually, the, graphically, it looks much better than Vampire Survivor, but that's because that's going for a certain aesthetic. Um, but it looks great, and it's you, you get weapons, and you find more around as you level up, and then things get pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, my one critique early on was I felt like it was very difficult to kind of get going, mm-hmm. and they kind of make you grind. So when you unlock a new weapon you have to overcharge it, which means that you have to go into a mission, find the weapon or unlock the weapon mm-hmm. and then get it to level 12. And you do that by just upgrading it as you go along when you get leveled up, right? Yeah. Um, once you get to level 12, that means the next time you find it on another mission, each like five levels, six levels or something like that, uh, you can give it a perk, which mm-hmm. will really benefit it. And uh-huh. the end perks are like nuts. So you can get like, uh, you have like these tool dual pistol things that will like, once you get it fully unlocked, it will start to like shoot all around you. So you basically become a tornado of death, right? And it's really fun when you finally get it to that point where you're like, yes, it took a long time. You know, I not only had to grind it all out, but then I had to get lucky with the upgrades that I got. And now I finally got it. And now I'm just a whirlwind and it's really satisfying. There's just something about that. That is just really addicting. Um, and they've got four different classes right now. I don't know how many classes there were in the base game. I think it was also four, but I could be wrong. There may be even more. Mm-hmm. I, I played it like three years ago. So forgive me, uh, Deep Rock Galactic fans out there. I don't, I haven't had a lot of experience with it. But yeah, a uh, lot, lot of variety in the weapons. Uh, so far, the levels, there's only three. And the only ch- the change that really happens is that they get harder, the harder difficulty you go up. So you're fighting harder enemies that just take longer to take down. So you really need to optimize your builds and things like that. But it's just just a really fun, pretty well-made survivor. I guess that's the genre now. I don't know what to call it anymore. But yeah. uh, But it is a roguelike. It's like a mm -hmm. subgenre of roguelike survivor subgenre. There is a meta progression in between. You find these resources around that you can then use those resources to give you better luck, which luck will increase the chances that you get a, a higher uh, rarity on your upgrades. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, you know, some that will, so you'll do more damage. You'll, so your, your, your characters will slowly start to get better from round to round because of these passive bonuses that you're unlocking. And that's like the meta progression. Um, but yeah, it is essentially you go in and you just have to start from scratch each time. Just like, yeah. just like a roguelike. It's interesting. So, but you do get kind of permanent upgrades, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, it is fun and it is addicting and it's, there is sort of that satisfaction and also slight annoyance as you get further along where you're like, oh, this game was way harder when I first started because I didn't have any of it. So it's a weird combination because you would think you would want the game to be easier at the start and then harder toward the end, but that's not actually. It does start to get harder. Like, yeah, it does on those harder difficulties. Like they'll start to dunk on you, but then you have, it's, it's harder because 
you know, they have more HP and they hit harder, but you, because now you're better at the game, it's not as hard if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, um, totally. Yeah. That's a hard you, thing to do, but roguelikes seem to sort of nail mm -hmm. it down real well. But that is a critique I have is that the early on, at least for me, I found like it was a bit of a slog. Cause like mm -hmm. I got a new weapon. It's like, Oh boy. Okay. Now I have to level it all up to 12. And if I don't get it to 12, that means I don't get the overlock overlock charge unlocked, which means yeah. the next time I find it, it's, I have to do it all over again. And if I, if my character gets taken out during that run, it's like, Oh, well I got to do it again, which got really annoying. That um, is a little bit, I, I like the roguelikes where you get, you can get permanent upgrades to your character that make them better, but I don't like some of the abilities and weapons being tied into that system as much, right? Mm -hmm. Where if you're a good player, your first play playthrough, you should be able to get some of the really cool crap if you know how to combine right. the things together, as opposed yeah. to needing to grind it, out. It, it's a an ton artificial to padding to make you play more, which I I agree. It's a no. I I, I don't like it. Uh, yeah. I, when I was younger, I didn't mind. Like I remember people critiquing Battlefield Three. I I still remember this is to this day. It's like, why do I have to grind all these weapons? And my thought to those people that were complaining about it's like, well, just do it. Like it's that's that's the game. But now that I'm older, I'm like, I get it. I don't want to yeah. just arbitrarily have to, I've got the weapon. Just let me experience the fun of the weapon. Don't make me go through this needless grind to get it to 12. And then the next time I get the weapon, mm -hmm. I can now actually experience it at its full potential. That that does kind of rub me the wrong way. It's not a deal breaker uh, because it's not that bad once you kind of start to get into the groove of things and you understand. But it is a, it is a grind for the sake of literally just being... Uh, a grind yeah and i find now that i'm getting older too and have different sort of time increments that i play games i just don't play games for the same length that i used mm -hmm. to probably right. not the same for you since you're streaming them so you can sink some hours in but right um the the long grind didn't bother me as much when i was like yeah this is my one game that i play and this is i play this all the time and sometimes i'll play something else but usually this one game so having long grinds had extra value and meaning to me and it was like yeah i got all the good stuff and other people didn't all have it because they couldn't play as much as me but i mm -hmm. was playing this one game all the time but now that I'm older and I'm like, oh crap, like, wait, how many hours do I need to, to get Call that Call of thing? Duty is the worst with that. Yeah. It's now. like 30 hours. I'll just be like, yeah, screw it. I'll just, I'll play something else. I'm not going to yeah. sink 30 hours just trying to get this one thing. So yeah, it's interesting, like depending on where you are in life, how much you like to sink your time into one game versus casually play. The grind has different meaning, right? You're like, oh, I like grind and sort of the sense of sense of accomplishment where other people are like, ah, just give me good gameplay and let me experience it all in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't mind there being a progression. I think progression is fun. Just look at Helldivers. Like you get, you, you start off with only a couple of cool explosions and stratagems, but then by the end you're calling in like orbital lasers and it's, yeah. it's awesome. But you know, you are, you were experiencing the cool stuff. Like it's still the cool whole time. later on yeah. the whole yeah. time. Right. Yeah. You're not, you don't feel like, like, oh, this laser is, you know, not as good because I now need to, you know, put 10 hours into making this one laser really, really strong, right? Yeah. Like, no, it's good out of the box. Maybe that's sort of uh, an angle of how how the grind is designed around every tier of gameplay, right? So if the game ever feels like a grind, 
then maybe that tier of the gameplay just isn't as well designed. Where mm -hmm. you're like, oh yeah, I'm not enjoying the gameplay as much right now because all I'm thinking about is getting to the next tier so mm -hmm. I can see what that's like as opposed to just enjoying the tier I'm on and then being sort of surprised by getting to the next stage and be like, oh, let's see what this is like as opposed to, ah, this sucks, let me, uh, I bet it'll be better when I get the next upgrade or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that that is probably my biggest complaint, and it's a small one in the grand scheme of things because it's really fun. It's yeah. only nine dollars too right now. I think it's like nine bucks. Nice. It's it's, it's cheap. Uh, if you like if you like that survivor style vampire survivor, uh, death uh, death must die is another good a good one. If you like those kind of games, I'd mm -hmm. recommend giving it a try. How do they make those games so cheaply, man? It is really inexpensive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it also has some really cool mechanics where you dig. So they take that same. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask about it. I'm like, yeah, well, mm -hmm. why make why take this genre and turn it into a survivors game? Yeah, there'll be there'll be like rocks around and big like big you know rock structures, and you can dig through it, and you can actually use that to your advantage. Where they'll they'll wrap around, and then so if you go like through, you can kind of like get to the other side and not get surrounded, or you can use it to like make a funnel where if you have like particular weapons that were like are, are only focused on like one side, you can kind of like funnel them in and take out a lot and then, you know, weave your way around. So oh, it, it cool. adds a, it adds a little bit of a, a dynamic on and decision-making because really those games are just movement. You literally just move your character around. You don't have to attack. You don't have to dodge. It's just movement. So having that little extra decision-making, I think kind of adds to, the enjoyment yeah that's cool i'll check it i i don't i probably won't check that one out but i do appreciate those types of games yeah yeah i wish i was exploring a little more gaming wise these days but uh i'm just like waiting on cool stuff You're to happen old, with star citizen you got dude. kids you know i, I know well there's it. only a couple games that really really pique my interest these days you know and every now and then some weird little oddity will come up and i'll be like i have to try this that looks neat but yeah, I'm just sort of like, Star Citizen when? Star Citizen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You just, yep. Mm -hmm. Addicted, Matt. I'm addicted. You, you are. Yeah. Well, you watch any good uh, shows? Read any books? Uh, well, almost done with Iron Gold, which is the fourth book of Red Rising. Probably shouldn't talk about that because that's just spoilers. Oh yeah, but really, really loving it. Absolutely love, love, love Red Rising. It's one of my favorite series, and the fourth book is just great. So loving that. Um, Masters of the Air. I've been watching Solo Leveling, which is an anime, which it, you know it's it's a shonen, so it's just action, which yeah. has been fun, I guess. Um, but other than that, no, I haven't really been watching a lot of stuff. I've just been playing games. Are you gonna read Let's, Dune eventually? Gonna... I will eventually read Dune. Yeah. Especially with the second movie coming out, I don't know when I'm gonna get around to it, but that is that is in my on my list of of books. Cool, mm. cool man. Well, what you playing tonight? Hell Divers. Yeah. Hopefully, if it lets me in, I yeah. <laughs> tried to play it two days ago and it didn't work. That's gonna be was... so frustrating on stream when you're like Hell Divers. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I I had Hell Divers uh, uh, like. I was in the queue, which wasn't a queue. It was like retrying to get up every 30 yeah. seconds. And I just played, I just played uh deep rock galactic survivor for like five hours. And then I just <laughs> gave up. Um, yeah, oh it was my bad. God, dude. Yeah. Well, it's nice that you uh, can at least play another game while it's queuing, you know? And yeah. Like, Oh, Hey, we got in guys. 
and I had a ton of fun. So it's not like it was a it was not like it was a bad stream. It was a great stream. I I really enjoyed my time, but it was unfortunate that they are struggling with their servers so much. I'm yeah. sure if I was constantly alt F4ing and then retrying and not just waiting for the 30 seconds, it probably I probably would have gotten in faster, but yeah. So that's, hopefully I can play that tonight. That's a good way to artificially inflate your um retention for player, oh, yeah, player metrics, you right? You're like, well, the there first batch can't play for the for a whole week, so they'll be playing a lot longer. I, I would uh -huh. wonder if that Helldiver's retention curve would look more normal uh, <laughs> if the servers were all on, because it's it's going up, you know, and you're like, that's it just, odd. It just never stops, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's weird that they just keep growing in interest. Why are there so the many has. people just on right now? Yeah. They're all, in a, they're all in those waiting the, the main menu. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I mean, that's that's good if you can make a um a game that good that it's it's killing the servers, man. I yeah. I'm happy for them. And they do sound like good devs that like yeah. kind of have the core values at heart. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll get more of them, man. So, you want to wrap things up there? I'd love to. You got some uh, some solid advice for our viewers who have turned in, tuned in, and waited to the the last moment here for Matimio's life advice. That's going to give Matimio's life week. advice. My my life advice this week. I gave mm -hmm. it some thought. Is uh, and it's real basic. It's uh, it's, this is applies to our younger viewers, uh, like mm. you know, high school, college. You know, younger. It all applies to really anyone. Um, but if an opportunity arises, um, go for it. Uh, when you look back on your on your life, not that I'm an old ancient man, but you're gonna start. You're, you're probably gonna regret the things that you didn't do. Not that you did, unless it's like illegal. Don't do illegal things, kids. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, if a, if a friend invites you to go out, go out, go out with them. Go go. You know, you you want to go uh, do an activity. Go 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 for it. Do it. Yeah. Don't be don't be like me who just ignored everything and was like, I'm gonna play video games all the time and not make any friends in uh, school. <clears throat> That is good advice. That's good advice. I see some sometimes on social media they kind of promote the whole reclusive. Ah, you know it feels even better than going out, staying in and doing nothing. Oh yeah, and, and, and there's there's sure that's, you know that's fine. Do that, but don't yeah. like canceling I, plans can feel good. But usually right. when it's a plan you don't want to do in the first place. But right, uh, it's yeah. Get put yourself out of your comfort zone there. That's actually deeply rooted into um. Apparently, intelligence metrics, which is mm. the more experiences you subject yourself to, um, the better you retain and uh, can relate to information and questions and stuff like that. God, I must be stupid then. <laughs> it's, uh, well, they, they, I read an article on the SATs, which was like, it's not a measurement of, of like the school system per se, mm -hmm. as much as it is the community and family life around that person. Really? Yeah, because like, cause so much of the SAT is based around like reading comprehension now. And yeah. reading comprehension is based very much around being able to relate to something. So if, if a reading comprehension story is around, say, baseball, and you've mm -hmm. never watched a baseball game or been to a baseball game or played baseball. You have no context of what's happening in the yeah, story. Yeah, your comprehension is going to be trash. So apparently just getting out there and doing more things and having more experiences like that actually improves your... It does make sense. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Cool stuff. Good advice, Matt. Thank you. 
You're welcome, people. Again, if you want to um, follow us uh, or support us on Patreon, check out the link in the description. If you want to join the Discord channel and give us some suggestions, topic suggestions you'd like us to talk about, check us out there. Um, comments. Let us know what you think of Matimia's advice, and we'll be back here next week to entertain you with our interesting adult stories of gamerdom and... I don't know. Man, we're really selling this podcast. This yeah. Great. We're wild people, man. <laughs> I've, got, I've got kids and Matt streams for like 10 hours every night. Woo. We're crazy. <laughs> we're crazy. All right, people. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out. Take care.